You're listening to the Patriot Pastors Podcast, where we talk about the current events from a pastor's perspective, as well as calling America back to the faith of our fathers. All right. Thank you for listening to the Patriot Pastors Podcast. I'm Wade Lynch, pastor of Barrel Baptist Church in Bologna, Arkansas, and I'm joined with my good friend, Harold Smith, pastor of Lee Creek Baptist Church in Van Buren, and doing something different today, recording from the home studio. So if you hear a chicken crowing in the background or a dog barking, <laughs> that's just part of country living. There you go, man. It's been a while since we've been together. I know. I, I miss the podcast. Yeah. It seems like you did one with a, a state representative, and then I did just a kind of a solo, and then we skipped a week, and it's good to be back in the saddle again. Yes, it is. It sure is. And you know, a lot has happened since we've been together. I think we have not, I don't think we've met together, had a podcast together since uh, after the election. And uh, of course, we are still dealing with this uh, aftermath of the election. And, and that's kind of what I want to talk about, just kind of conversationally talk about, you know, what to do when we're waiting. And uh, we can tie this into, you know, what maybe a family's dealing with right now, waiting on uh, a job, uh, maybe, maybe some test results from a doctor, and uh, but definitely waiting on the outcome of this election. And I think in five states, it's tied up in litigation, and uh, we still probably have two more weeks or so before there can finally be some type of an end to the situation. Yeah, you know, the Bible talks a lot about waiting, waiting on the Lord. Um, and, and waiting is not necessarily being lazy. I mean, that's the thing you need to know. There are things you can be doing while you're waiting. And uh, there's nothing more frustrating than to have somebody waiting on you, and then you get ready, and they're not ready. And I was like, mm-hmm. what were you doing the whole time you were waiting on me to get here? Right. You know, and, and that, that kind of frustration level. It, sometimes we just feel like we're in a situation. Well, there's nothing we can do, you know, whether it's the election or the or, or the COVID pandemic and what's going on. Uh, just a whole bunch of things where maybe we can't do what we want to do or we don't have any clear direction. But that doesn't mean that we just sit back and do nothing. And yes. so there are things we can be engaged in while we await the results. Mm-hmm. That's right. And like I say, it's it's very difficult to wait, and uh, but we do know, especially in this election, that God is in control. Daniel chapter two verse twenty one talks about that He changes the seasons and He changes the times, and He sets up kings and He removes kings. That's a promise, but He did not say how long that transition would take place. <laughs> in our situation, we do know that He's in control, but the timing of it is uh is is very difficult and uh so what what do you feel about this waiting period as we think about the election well uh, it's no secret anybody that's heard you or i preach would know that we have no problem affirming the sovereignty of god we believe that god just as you said raises up kings and takes down kings raises nations controls the seasons we don't shy away from god being sovereign in all things but another thing that neither of us will shy away from is man's responsibility. 
And so I feel like if you have fulfilled your responsibility and cast your vote, then you've done your part. And now it is, it is your responsibility now that you've cast your vote just to let God play it out in his timing. Mm-hmm. And, um, that right there is, um, is really the, I guess where I am. I'm not glued to the TV. I'm not turning, tuning into the news each night. It, that's not something that's bothering me to the point. I feel like I've done all I can do unless I'm on Trump's legal team or Biden's legal team. Mm-hmm. There's nothing for me to be doing. Right. You know, right. my blood pressure doesn't need to be watching what they're doing. You know? Yes. Yeah. I understand for me. Yeah. That's a major problem is to be so glued to the latest happenings. You know, I follow a lot of Trump's lawyers on Twitter and I'm constantly looking, okay, what is there a bombshell getting ready to be released? You know, we hear so much about releasing the Kraken, you know, whatever that means on this, uh, on this litigation and so forth. And so, yeah, I am more, I'm just wired that way that I, I want to know what it is, what's the latest. It's very difficult for me to just wait. And that's just part of my human nature that I, yeah, I need to do better on that. And, um, but, uh, it's, it's a very difficult time for sure. I think something that would help us with that is waiting. Like when you're sitting in a doctor's office, that's awful. You know, when you're sitting in the waiting room at the ER, there's nothing to do. You're just sitting there. And so I've noticed I had to go get a physical, my yearly wellness checkup. And I sat down in the doctor's office. Of course, nobody's now, I don't even think they got magazines out now because COVID, you know, they don't want you touching anything. So everybody in there is just sitting on their phones. I mean, I literally looked around the room. There's there's three doctors at this clinic. So there's about about 10 people sitting in this waiting room. I'm talking about 85-year-old people and and 20-year-old young adults. And every single one of them, even the old lady, had her phone out and was scrolling through it. And so... Mm-hmm. I think part of our problem is we think of waiting as, well, I need to find something to busy my time. So we pull the phone out. Well, all the phone's got is, hey, mm-hmm. here's what's happening in social media land. Yes. So what's right. really helped me, Wade, is I told myself I'm going to focus on being more evangelistic. Mm-hmm. And so instead of getting on Facebook and trying to get the latest or go to Parler or what's on Twitter, I have started trying to write articles that help us better understand the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so I've spent that 30 minutes or an hour that I might have just spent scrolling through a couple social media sites gathering news. Right. I've spent that writing out, just starting some some lines of thought for eventually sharing that on social media. So my plan is instead of sharing a bunch of political posts like I was building up to the election, Mm-hmm. I'm going to make everybody mad, not at my politics. But I'm going to make them mad with my gospel. I'm going to, mm-hmm. I'm going to push the issue of who they are in their sins and what God requires of them. So I figure if I'm going to make people mad, it's not going to be because I'm a conservative. It's going to be because I'm a vocal Christian, and yes. I think that's how I'm right. going to wait out the uh, the election cycle and the COVID sure. cycle, for that matter. Yeah. And that's so true because, you know, ultimately that's, that's what matters at the end of our life. It's not going to matter if we were Republican or Democrat. 
liberal or conservative, what matters is were you born again? And, uh, you know, that's very helpful to keep that in perspective, uh, because we get so caught on the here and now as if this is the only life there ever is. And that this decision, whatever decision is, is ultimately comes about in this litigation, um, a hundred years from now, not going to really matter, yeah. uh, concerning our human soul. And so uh, of all those that are living right now. So that's very true to, to keep that in perspective, to keep eternity in perspective when we're dealing with this, the trouble in the here and now. And there's nothing wrong with campaigning. There's nothing wrong with pointing out, you know, what you like about your candidate and what you can't stand about the guy that's running against him. But once the votes have been cast, the responsibility of our, of you and I as a voter is over. And and I I think that's something that I really kind of had to grasp. I thought, okay, so let's just, let's pretend, let's role play. Let's say that Biden wins. What are you going to do? Are you going to sit here and share post after post after post on, on social media of how crazy Biden is or how much you disagree with his policies? Or are you going to spend all your time saying, boy, I wish we had Trump. And Mm -hmm. so when I start just kind of role playing this out, where are we going to go? Okay. If Trump wins, are, are we going to go, ha ha, I told you so, uh, you bunch of crooks, I hope you all go to jail, or really, that's not that's not advancing anybody's cause. Right. So I really feel like for me personally, I'm going to pass this time, how can I articulate the gospel better? Mm-hmm. What are some ways to share the gospel that I haven't been doing? And so, and I'll just be honest with you, and I said it in the last podcast, I have not been as evangelistic as I used to be and as I right. should be. So uh, every time I see a political post and I think, well, I'm going to share that. And then I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm going to turn off Facebook. I'm going to go do something productive. And, and, and you know, uh, that takes a lot of, uh, what's the word? Um, fortitude. <laughs> fortitude to not do that. Because I see something, I'm like, oh, man, this is, I'm going to share this. Yeah. You know, take this, you know, liberals. Well, and it's also helped that it's been deer season, and I've been able to do a little deer hunting, and that's kept me off social media. (laughs) But uh, it's it's really a, it's a day-to-day battle, just like your sins. I mean, Mm -hmm. our sins are constantly tempting us to, to act upon them, to cave into them. And so it, you just have to win these small victories. I'm not saying I'm never going to share another political post. I, I right, do. Right. But I've scrolled past a good dozen of them every day that I normally would have just shared, shared, shared. And uh, I, I just and then when I catch myself, you know, hey, you're really wasting a lot of time sitting here doing nothing that matters, nothing for eternity mm-hmm. and uh, and taking that back. So, right. Right. But you know, there, there is something that we can do when we're waiting and that's, that's praying. Yeah. And, you know, praying that if there is any fraud, if this was rigged, that the Lord would bring that to light. And there's certainly nothing wrong with, uh, with praying. That is a responsibility that we do have while we wait is praying that the Lord's, uh, that justice would be served if there be any fraud. And, you know, one of the things you notice in the Old Testament when you're looking at the kings of Israel and even even neighboring kings, 
God has removed kings through uh, not God doing it, but God has allowed men to illegally remove kings. Just like mm-hmm. cheating in an election, uh, there were kings that were murdered in cold blood. That's by, right. by, you know, not in not in battle, but were literally deceived. One fellow was stabbed in the belly. And they left him in there and locked the door, and nobody wanted to go in because they thought he was going to the bathroom. And yeah. you don't disturb the king when he's on the when he's on the throne. On the throne, the other throne. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, but but that king was actually removed through murder. That's right. And yes. um, and so when you start realizing the way this is going, you're like, uh, you, you know, God could allow somebody to get away with a fraud, you know, or it's not that God's doing it wrong, but we well, want to pray he, for he justice. We want to pray for it to be done yes. right, just like you said. But even if it's done wrong, it's still the will of God in the Absolutely. end who wins this election. Yes, right or wrong. And, it, and it very well could be that the Lord is allowing this to play out so that we can really see how corrupt our government really is. Yes. That if they will allow this to happen and do nothing, then we really know that, my goodness, this government is as corrupt as any government in the world. This is going to tell us while we're waiting, it's easy to speculate just how bad of a country are we? Mm -hmm. You know, this could be the end of our, you know, democratic republic. I mean, we literally could be, you know, at that point where, you know, this nation crumbles and falls apart, and who knows what happens, you know? That is right. Well, let's talk about pastors dealing, um, in really, in this waiting period. And I, I'm talking to more and more pastors that are growing more and more discouraged dealing with this pandemic. Um, I, I know you, our listeners know that you have had COVID, and you are a pastor. And I believe that first Sunday back that you were uh, preaching, I think you had twenty people, and uh, ha- has has that recovered a little bit more since the weeks yes. gone by? Yeah, we actually had our annual Thanksgiving dinner uh, Sunday this past Sunday. We always have it the Sunday before Thanksgiving. So, I, I normally our church would have eighty people for this, you know, and eighty mm-hmm. is about what we run if everybody shows up and is healthy. And when you're serving turkey and ham and Every Baptist housewife has gone out and fixed her favorite side dish. You know, everybody shows up that Sunday. Right. And uh, I just knew with COVID, I'm like, we're not going to have 80 people. Normally, we have a 27-pound ham and two giant turkeys, mm-hmm. you know, cooked and prepared for this. And um, I, I told them, I said, guys, really, we're going to need a small ham and an average-sized turkey this year. Yeah. And... and it shocked me as we rolled around toward Sunday in, in our annual Thanksgiving dinner. We have three people out with COVID right now. So three families were not there that would have been there. Mm-hmm. And another family was running some symptoms and just didn't want to risk it until they got their test. And so we were four families out and we still had a really good crowd. And so even though COVID is kind of hitting the church hard as far as not like it's in our church, but I mean, we've got three people that had it all at the same time, three different families, unrelated, but the attendance overall has came back. And I have really just encouraged the church, hey, look, there are some things that are worth dying for, 
you know, and church attendance yeah. is one of them. That's right. You look around the world, Christians risk their life to get together and sing together and pray together and hear someone proclaim the word. Mm-hmm. And so um, we can't really say that we're that committed if we're not at least willing to risk catching COVID to get together. And yeah. so I think a lot of our people have kind of wrapped their mind around that, had time to think through it, and went, hey, look, I'm going to get it or I'm not. But oddly enough, one of the three people that's had it has not been to church since March, uh-huh. since all the lockdown started, and has really stayed home as much as possible. Sure, sure. And I'm talking to him. He's like, I have no idea how I caught this. I did everything they told me to do. I wore the mask. I stayed home. I never went anywhere. And lo and behold, I got it. Yes. And of course, you know, I'm out here shaking hands and eating out and cooking. And, you know, I'm I'm all over publicly and I got it. So when we talk about the, the pastor side, getting back to your question, it's discouraging. But the way to pass this time is not to go down in the bunker and button the hatch down and, you know, hope for it to blow over. You really got to just get out and be active and do the best you can with what you got. Yes, absolutely. You know, we, we've seen a a downtick in attendance the last two, three weeks. We've had about 10 church members do to uh, contract the virus. Uh, Fortunately, all of them have recovered some, being elderly and, you know, not very healthy at all, got the virus, but thankfully they also recovered, but it did hurt our attendance quite a bit. And, you know, it's just very discouraging to, uh, you know, get to the point where, Hey, you know, things are starting to look better. And then all of a sudden you have this big decrease in attendance. And it seems as if that that's going to continue throughout the winter. And, uh, and it's just, you know, as pastors, we've been dealing with this since March and, uh, you know, seeing church members who are hurting financially, seeing church members that are hurting, uh, mentally and emotionally, uh, it takes a toll on, on a pastor as well. And, um, very difficult time in this waiting period for us. It's especially in new church plants. You and I both know of a five-year-old church plant that's closing. And um, yes. basically, you know, the the regular attenders that weren't members yet, as soon as COVID hit, they all quit going to church. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, five years of laboring in a town to plant a church, and then all of a sudden, you know, you have a few people move away for one reason or another, and then you have a big reduction in your just what I call casual attenders, you know. Right. Right. Next thing you know, you you have no church and a small church. It doesn't you can't you can't sustain much of a hit Mm -hmm. and especially with an elderly congregation. And so that church is ultimately closing. And um, I would say covid was a big contributing factor to just, hey, there's nobody here. There's three of us. Right. And my family. Yeah. And it's hard to have a church with your family and one other person, you know. Yeah, and I think that's kind of helps us understand that this whole thing is spiritual in nature, that Satan is using this to do just that, to bring discouragement to pastors, to try his best to slow the spread of the gospel and to cause harm to the body of Christ. And that's the way we have to look at it, for sure. You know, I really think 
especially the way we've seen some of the government agencies respond to COVID, there is clearly a anti-Christian bias to everything COVID related. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'll give you an example of that. Of course, you know, California and some other states have kept strip clubs open. So you can go watch women dance naked, Mm -hmm. but you cannot go to church and sing together or pray together. Now that is clearly an, I mean, strip clubs are not protected by the first amendment. Right. You know, this is clearly anti-Christian, but a couple of the people who have recently tested positive were talking to my wife. These are people from school and uh, they were getting uh, these, these tracers is what they call. They call, they try to trace where this is coming from. They called them and they said, okay, where have you been to work? Have you been out to eat? They go through all the places you've been to. And then they say, um, what church do you attend? They don't ask if you've been there. They just ask what church you attend. Mm. And uh, the, the lady that was telling my wife this, she goes, well, why does that matter? I haven't been there. And she said, well, we're keeping track of how many people attend church. Yes. And I thought, why does that matter? If you, if you, your responsibility is to tell them where you've been. If you haven't been to church, why does it matter what church you're a member of? Yeah. And, and the, the tracer lady that was responsible for doing this, she said, well, that's just something they've added to our questionnaire. So that clearly tells me that this has a anti-Christian bias mm-hmm. to a lot of these policies and procedures. Absolutely. They want to close down and reduce church attendance. Right. Yeah. You know, our, our governor, I guess a couple of weeks ago, kind of sent out a spreadsheet or some type of a PowerPoint showing the spread that has taken place in churches. He didn't show the spread from restaurants perspective, but just mainly focused on churches. And uh, he's supposed to be our Republican conservative Christian governor, but seems as if they're really honing in on these, these churches and as being these super spreader uh, type events. That that's part of the depression of a lot of these pastors right there is that it's one thing to be concerned about the health and safety of your congregation. I mean, none of us pastors are going to intentionally, I, I, I say no pastor, there's some money hungry preachers that would have you walk through hell if they thought you'd bring an offering to church. But yeah, I mean, right. a pastor that loves his congregation is not going to intentionally harm them or endanger them. Mm-hmm. But it's one thing to be concerned about the health and safety of your church and say, hey, we might need to close for a couple of weeks to stop the spread of this. Now you've got to think about, OK, I need to think about the health and safety of my church and complying with the government, making a decision whether we're going to to obey or disobey the government, because really that's where we are in this. Yes, yeah, um, you're right. Th- there's there's going to come a time and this is part of what. I guess this is part of the anxiety of where we're going to go with the next presidency. Mm-hmm. And part of the anxiety with COVID is what kind of a criminal am I going to be to be a Baptist pastor in the next four years, right. next two years? Right. Because yeah. I, Trump has been very, very pro-religious freedom. I mean, he signed executive orders that back that. Sure. Biden, on the other hand, is very, very lockdown minded towards COVID. And he is going to have no respect and no concern for what we as Christians believe and how we meet. So while we wait 
we probably ought to have a contingency plan privately worked out with our congregation. Okay, here's where we're going to go. Here's what mm-hmm. we're going to do. Yes. And, and as a pastor, last Sunday, I was looking at David fleeing Jerusalem. Uh, I guess I got time to tell this story, don't I? Oh, sure. It's a mini sermon, okay? Preach it, brother. Preach it. <laughs> David's <laughs> fleeing Jerusalem because Absalom has declared himself king and is going to invade Jerusalem. And so David flees the city. And as he leaves the city, his his servants and, and the, the, the army has around him, the Pelethites and the Cherethites and the Gittites, and he stops this man that's a stranger, and his name is Etayah. And he says, Etayah, why are you following me here? You're, you're from another country. You just got here. Why don't you take your family and go on back and just stay in Jerusalem and not risk your life? And Etayah says, as the Lord liveth, and as my Lord the King liveth, I'm going to be wherever you are, whether it be mm. in life or death. Mm. And I thought, here is a picture of the Christian. His service to the Lord is his service to his fellow man. And so Atei is serving David as a form of service to the one true God. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, Christian, we're, we could potentially be coming up on a, on a time frame when, or a time in American history where it's going to cost you something to go to church. Yes. Is your commitment level the same as this man here? Because Jesus said this is what a disciple was. Mm-hmm. No man putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit to go in this kingdom. That's right. So I've tried to, it, it, I, I didn't pick this this text. I'm going through the book of Second Samuel. That's mm-hmm. where I was. Yes. And I yes. said, guys, we have to get this on our mind now. Are we going to follow this king wherever he goes, up or down? Or are we going to say, no, I think I'll just stay here in Jerusalem with whoever comes by next. Mm-hmm. And I think pastors, while you wait, you need to be putting it in the minds of your people. Guys, we could be headed for a time when we need to be making these decisions and we need to be prepared to make those decisions now. Otherwise, mm-hmm. the, the Christian with his head in the sand is going to wake up one day and turn on the news and go, what? I can't go to church anymore. It's illegal. Mm-hmm. What am I going to do? Right. I think the astute pastor has prepared his congregation for that. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, it makes you think, what would the Apostle Paul say to the American church watching a, a majority of Christians and church members who are staying home from a, a, because of a virus that has a 99.5 survival rate? What would he say when if if that will keep you home? What will persecution do? I, I think what we're seeing at the church at large, and I'm not talking about everybody that's home. Mm-hmm. There are people that, that need to be home. Okay? Absolutely. Yes. I, I, there are people that do not need to be in public. I get it. Right. But when you look at the, the size and the scope of the people that aren't going to church, and they're still going out to eat, and they're still going to the ball games, and their kid's still in Little League, it's just telling us, what we really have for members in American churches. Mm-hmm. And what would Paul say to them? He would probably say, repent and believe the gospel. Absolutely. He would probably treat most American Christians as though they were lost because their lifestyle would indicate they're lost. Amen. Uh, and, and I really, really feel that way, Wade. I, I'm not saying that you, you have to go to church to be a Christian. Don't misunderstand me. But I'm saying Christians go to church. And, yes. and I think 
if someone can consecutively and long term stay out of church and go everywhere else they go in their daily routine, that's just a reflection of who they are as a person, and church is not important to them. That is, that's right. So, boy, that's that's so true. And you know, it, it's in times of persecution, in times of uh, difficulty, that really there's a great separation between the sheep and the goats. Yeah. And uh, and here's something to rejoice in that if we do go into a time of persecution, that in scripture. The church always grew. It multiplied. It added unto. And so, uh, you know, where the devil, Satan wanted to subtract and to divide, the Lord takes that hardship and he multiplies the, uh, the church and he adds into the church. Think about Gideon gathering his army. You know, the Lord told him to go and fight the Midianites. He gathered, gathered his army and God says, no, you got too many. No, you got too many. No, no, you got too many. Now, mm-hmm. now that you just got a handful, this is about the right size. And what yes. God did was he took that, that big army, which still wasn't as big as the Midianites, but he got it down to such a ridiculously small group of soldiers that he said, now when I give victory, I'm going to get all credit for it. Mm-hmm. You look at the American church today, Wade. I know you'll agree with this statement. They credit everything but God for their success. They've yes. got these slick programs. They've got these slick sermons. They've got these, you know, well-oiled machines. And they almost promise you growth. If you go out and do this, this, and this, you get emails. I get emails. Grow your church by this percentage. Take our program. God gets no credit for that growth. Mm-hmm. But if we get the church in a position where there's no explanation for its success other than God, then the world doesn't look at us as, well, you know, y'all are just, you know, the Mason's Lodge is shrinking, but the church is growing because y'all got a better program. No, it could be that God is going to get us down. I always keep thinking back to some of them speeches that Winston Churchill used to give during World War II, you know, it is a time such as this. We were created for this and I really think mm-hmm. the pastor needs to have that. You know, God put me here. I always wanted to live in the late 1800s. You know, when Spurgeon was yes. preaching and the whole me world too. was buying sermons. And I'm <laughs> like, man, I would love to preach then when people right. wanted this. Yes. And I'm here where people don't even believe in a God, much less the God of the Bible. Mm-hmm. But it's the time in which you and I are put here, and we can thrive and and, and have great success, maybe not numerically, but right. we can be obedient to Christ in this time. Amen. Amen. Well, that's so, so encouraging. And, you know, in the midst of this waiting, in as far as the election is concerned, and the waiting as far as, you know, pastoring during this pandemic, remember what our Lord Jesus Christ taught us to pray in the Lord's model prayer. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And, you know, his kingdom is coming. He's building his church. And please be encouraged. Be uh, encouraged to keep preaching, keep pastoring, keep loving your people. And uh, and just let the Lord have his way in your life and be led in these difficult days that we're living in. Well, listen, I want to thank everyone for uh, listening to our podcast, and we pray that this has been a help and a blessing to you. May the Lord bless you.